Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. I'm Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support this show, please tap the link in this episode's description if you're using the Anchor application or visit anchor.fm slash bit-v-byte to become a monthly supporter. So jumping right into it, starting off with some news. So there was a main law uh, that was just passed, and it is requiring national and local ISPs to get express customer approval before selling your private and personal internet data and browsing histories. This is interesting because this is about two years after the FCC voted to roll back the rules preventing ISPs from doing that in the first place. And so with this, hopefully it's main set in a precedent where other states will follow because it, it really was not a win at all for the consumer when the FCC did that. Now, hopefully that does change at the national level and the FCC changes those rules in the future, but for now, uh, that's where we're at. An interesting tool came out of Firefox uh, called Firefox Monitor. It's really just another service to notify you if you've had your information leaked. As many of the other ones use, it, it uses data from Have I Been Owned, which you know a ton of different services use at this point. And you could also just go ahead and use that, but it's always nice to have another option, especially since it's a nice interface. Um, but something kind of interesting out there and to check out. And then finally, on a little bit more uh, search engine news, uh, Google uh, had a June core update. Now, what's interesting about this one is that it was actually pre-announced, which is pretty unusual for these kind of updates that uh, they do for their search rankings and that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's mostly because it's such a large one. You know, we're still seeing effects coming out around this, but some of it was rollback of some parts of a March update that hit some of the health sites pretty hard. Those have been gaining back in some spots, but others such as gambling and finance have been hit pretty hard and have decreased in their visibility. It's still rolling out, and apparently there's just a ton of variability in where sites are seeing the effects right now. And as one of the developers in Google noted, it can take a couple weeks potentially for all of this to make it out to the world. Uh, but it, it will be pretty interesting to see, especially since this is such a large update and ultimately how that affects sites that have been on there. And, you know, maybe if you will do better or not. Uh, as always, it's just a generally good practice and what Google kind of espouses to want you to do, and that is to have quality content. So if you don't have that and you're just kind of doing a bunch of filler um, it's it's not going to do you much good, and no matter what, you'll be penalized for that. Switching over some links and resources, uh, there was a pretty cool little tool uh, that was built called UIBot. It's UIBot.app, and what's neat about it is that it's really just kind of like a general or a generic, well not generic, but a random generator of um, like a UI design, and it really takes like different fonts and. Uh, different font sizes and you know margins and that kind of stuff and generates a UI based on that and it's not so much for like a marketing site or something marketing site or anything like that but it's more about 
like a, um, if you had an application and you need its user interface and giving you some ideas as to how all that might flow together. But pretty cool. Um, it, it's just a neat you know, thing where you can click, keep hitting the button and it'll keep generating you new ideas. And uh, yeah, pretty neat. Uh, SEO Suite uh, is a pretty cool set of tools and it's seosuite.net. And what I liked about this was it just had a ton of useful little tools that some are SEO related, some are not, uh, but a good collection of things all in one spot that you can use to really, you know, try to uh, ascertain where your site, you know, how it's doing, is health really in the search engine kind of world. And also just, you know, ideas and recommendations as to what you can do to help increase that. And finally, there's a good article about uh, the four pixel baseline grid on UX design. And I hadn't actually heard of this one, uh, specifically the four pixel idea, um, but it's really breaking everything up into these divisions of four pixels. Uh, and actually, I kind of like it quite a bit. It makes a lot of mathematical sense to me. And uh, I like it because it is easily divisible and easy to understand. Uh, but it was, it was a pretty good article. Um, I want to learn more about that and if I can implement something with it. Uh, but I, I kind of thought it was a different take on the ones I normally see. So uh, pretty cool. I, I know it's been around for a while, but uh, check it out. Uh, it's a pretty good article on that. And finally, I wanted to talk about uh, scoping projects. Now, I... I, looking back, I, I have talked about this one before, um, but there was a good article that uh, came out around someone, you know, some about scoping up projects, but it was also about management. It was talking about how they got paid like 18 grand just to make a basically static website, and there wasn't much to it. And, you know, reading through this article, and, and really it was more of a lesson in mismanagement than anything else. But it made me start thinking about, well, what does it mean to really scope something out to determine what you're even trying to do, uh, what your goals are? Um, and so with that in mind, it, it was really a, an attempt to take lessons learned from something like that and from my own experience. So one of the things that you know, I've been working on and learning over the past couple of years has been you know, how to properly scope an upcoming project. You know, what do you do? And, and I will tell you right off the bat, I often get it wrong <laughs> just because they're, I think I have accounted for all the things and I don't. Uh, and it's usually because, you know, I've, I've not, I've missed something that, oh, I didn't think about how long this one thing would take. I didn't think about how sometimes, you know, a prerequisite to getting this other thing done takes a heck of a lot longer than you would think. Um, and so it's really kind of around that. Um, but what, I, what I've kind of learned about this is it really, some of it is a lot about talking to the right people. And sometimes this only comes up in projects where you've got to interface a couple different areas together. And oftentimes it's that question of, well, what questions do I ask if I don't know necessarily what all the parts are? And what I've kind of found with this is that really just getting all of the folks that may be impacted to the best of your ability in a room to kind of chat through, well, this is what we're trying to do. And, oh, have you thought about this? Makes a huge difference. 
And oftentimes it's it's hard because, you know, everyone's different, you know, areas or different aspects of what they do. And you may not even think it has much impact, but I've found that there are such things as manual processes that one thought was automated that, you know, impacts heavily when certain things take place. Or you might not have thought that, oh, they're doing an upgrade to this or oh, hey, you didn't know that this had this dependency, and because of that, we're limited in what we can do. So it really means that you, you need to sit down and try to get everyone in the room uh, and chat through, oh, this is what we're planning to do, and oh, maybe we should have thought about this. Now, that's harder if you're just the one, you know, developing, say, a website, and it's really on you. And so the question with that is, well, if I have a client and I need to design the site, and I'm not sure all of the things that you know I might need to do, well, really what you should start with is saying, okay, what's the end goal of this site? Who's my audience? What are we even trying to do? And sometimes just getting those questions asked makes your client think about, well, what is my goal with this? You know, Am I trying to just do a redesign for the sake of I need an updated look? And so that kind of means maybe a ton of the content doesn't need change. You're really just changing up some of the look and feel of things. Or really, is my site not serving the purpose that I need it to? Like, are people not able to get the information they want? Am I seeing a big drop-off because people are trying to do this one thing and it's just not working? Um, there's any number of these types of things that come up. And if you don't ask the questions and sit down with the client and say, like, Let's go by, you know, one by one and say, really dig into what it is and specifically what you're looking for. Then you kind of set yourself up for failure, both them and, and yourself. Um, and I've certainly experienced this before because, you know, I have taken on projects that I thought were going to be relatively simple, only to find out that certain aspects of it were way harder than I anticipated, uh, or that there was so much more data that I thought was going to be there that it really made it a challenge to you know, finish and to do a good job on it when you're like, I don't know how to wrangle all these things together and, and really deliver what I want. You know? And so it's taken a lot more effort sometimes to get to the point I want to be at when in the beginning it would have made a lot more sense to really dig into, well, what exactly are we trying to do here? And then it would allow me to properly you know, scope my time and be like, oh shoot, I got to think about all of these other things and think about it earlier on so that I'm not scrambling maybe near the end. I'm pretty sure pretty much everyone can relate to this in terms of, you know, work jobs, um, you know, at home, even, you know, home projects. It's just, it's hard to think about, you know, everything you need to do and put it in context of time. And so when you're forced to create kind of like a business case or a scope of a project, it, it really forces you to sit down and think through it. Um, but I, I would almost advocate, you know, practicing this in some ways, uh, because, you know, something I've been trying to do is really come up with a common list of questions that I know I need to ask to make sure that, hey, this is what we're exactly doing. And kind of those lessons learned over time that I'm like, how did I miss this? Well, I just wasn't asking what I should have. So that's kind of what I want to talk about, mostly around you know, just making sure you understand. And I think sometimes we take, make certain assumptions and 
um, that can really come and you know bite us in the end because we may think this is going to be this easy or we assume that this is what the customer wants, but that's not always the case. And we could also you know make more work on ourselves by assuming they want this much more when in reality they don't. Or maybe that's not even what they need for kind of this minimum viable product, which is that base level of um, features and, and design that they need to really make the site work. And then we can do add-ons later on. But anyways, I want to talk about that, um, and we'll end there. So follow this podcast on Twitter at BitBeBite and Facebook at slash BitBeBite. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.